not working. What was that noise? I see something outside. Don't go out there! Prepare yourselves for a dark and twisted tale. Wanna play a game? How long can you survive? Alright, so I will admit it. I was wrong. Tori was right to an extent. Oh, come on! <laughs> it was not a, a bunch of cults or like a singular cult. It was just one family and one person in that family each generation was the one causing that issue. Not a cult. I stand by it. <laughs> family of devil worshippers, a cult... Tomato freaking tomato. No. Yes. If anything, that's just a bad family tradition. I mean, true. Not going to argue with that one. But at the same time, I am right because it wasn't Seraphir. Yeah. <laughs> it was the freaking goods. Uh, well, spoiler alert. Gosh. All right. Well, but honestly, it's their own fault if whoever's listening is already on this and we did two episodes before. <laughs> on the same thing <laughs> that being said spoilers if you haven't listened to the first two episodes of fear street go listen to them or watch the movies even before you listen to this one i would say stop at this point and go watch the movie and then come back to this amazing podcast right and also welcome to tales of grim guys <laughs> <laughs> my biggest issue with fear street 1666 was the fact that Seraphir ended up not being the villain. Because to me, it was basically like the movie Maleficent where they tried to make this evil character a good guy and it's such crap and it's a cop-out to me. I hate it. I wanted to see when, you know, when Dina goes back in time to look through the eyes of Seraphir, I wanted to see this good girl basically have all these horrible things happen to her and then she eventually turns to witchcraft and curses the town. And I didn't get to see that. So in my opinion, I was very bummed about it. Because I wanted to see an evil witch, not a dumb family that was doing it. And I'm very disappointed. I mean, it was also obviously from how I called it from... Was it the first episode, I believe? First movie? The first movie, yeah. yeah. But hey, you, were, you have to admit you were wrong on someone scratching in the stones. Okay, I do need to look back. I sent you I a video swear, clip of it. <laughs> but that might not be... You said maybe it in wasn't last the name week's etching episode. In. Maybe it wasn't the name being etched in, but I do remember a cloaked yes. slash hooded figure in front of the stones in the first movie. Yes, that no, that totally happened. There was a shot of that. But... You said that you saw someone scratching um, What's-Her-Face's name into the stone. And I was like, that was not accurate. No, <laughs> I said that I saw a hooded figure when the name was being scratched in. That is not what you said in the podcast. <laughs> listen back to the podcast. That is exactly what I said. Uh, I actually edit the podcast. You don't listen to it. <laughs> I speak on the podcast. Why do I have to listen to my own voice? It's annoying. <laughs> because I'm calling you out on your lies and deceit. <laughs> anyway no i totally remember a scene where there is a cloaked figure in front of the stones maybe it wasn't when the when a name was being etched in 
But they were saying more modern names, if I remember correctly. Again, I need to go back and try and find this scene so I can say, ha ha, I told you so. Or go back and listen to what you said in the second episode of the podcast. <laughs> Actually, I will, just so I can prove you wrong. I edited it. I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Which is why I sent you that video clip, because I was listening to it. I was like, no, that can't be right. So I pulled up the second movie, watched it, and I was like, ha, I'm right. <laughs> There, could, there were multiple clips that showed the stones. Yes, but anyways, we'll move on so we they don't digress. have to listen to us fighting, <laughs> which we will continue this argument after the podcast is filmed. <laughs> but anyways, so yeah. So, I mean, that was one of the biggest disappointments I had with the movie was that Seraphir wasn't actually a bad guy, and I wanted to see the descent of a good person to an evil person. And I think that would have made a much more compelling story. Not to say that this movie was bad. It was good. I just wanted to see it go a different direction. I do agree with that. R.L. Stein is such a great writer. Love all of the goosebumps, all of that stuff. But everything in this series was so predictable. Yeah. No, I did not guess that it was the goods specifically that were a part of this. And I'm still going to call it a cult because that's <laughs> what I believe that it is. I did not guess that it was them, but I knew that it was a sunny sider. Yes, you did call that. everything good happens on a sunny side. And then I like how they ended it with uh, someone getting in a car crash on sunny side. <laughs> and then the news basically telling the truth for once of, hey, this sheriff was actually the killer all along, and now he's the sunny side killer. Yeah. And then his brother was like, I had no idea about it. But there's no way that his brother had no idea about this family tradition. No, I feel like he's the one that put... Was it Tommy? No, the Nick was the one... The sister's brother, or the sister last movie, yeah, Cindy, Cindy. Her, her, her boyfriend. boyfriend. Yeah, that was Nick. Because in this one, we saw a quick clip of young Nick Good, basically in the black robes. And doing the chant, and then Tommy's name appears on the stone. Yeah. Every ten years, it was supposed to be or so. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's no way his brother didn't know. But then I also kind of have the question no. of, when Sheriff Good died, why did all the serial killers also disappear? Because the brother had to have been involved. This was the whole family thing. So you would think that maybe, in order for the devil to keep this whole ritual going, it would be passed on to the brother. Maybe the brother knew, but he didn't want a part of it. Like, maybe there was a ceremony that's, like, a passing on kind of tradition. Maybe. Where they, like, actually put their blood on that one organ thing or, like, the circle or something. Um, and then that would signify, like, hey, this is the person that is now in control. They now hold the mantle. But the older brother may not have done that yeah so maybe he wasn't connected to it obviously the monsters fading away after he died that's just the severing of the connection the breaking of yeah the contract between the devil all of that stuff no yeah i understand that i just think it was kind of dumb that they disappeared because you would think it would go to the next person in line because the family's still technically around unless he wasn't actually involved or there was something that only Nick did that the older brother didn't. Yeah, also, that's why I'm saying, like, there had to have been a ceremony where, like, 
you put your blood in and you're the next to take up the mantle. And then the older brother, who's the mayor in the town, just didn't do that. Yeah. yeah so then he wouldn't be connected, even though he did still know about it. But there was another issue with that because they were saying that the oldest gen the oldest kid in each generation was the one that was supposed to do it, but the older brother clearly didn't do it, I guess. Maybe blood replaces blood? I like the no brother idea. came before Nick for a few years, but then the brother's like, oh, I can't do this anymore. Like it's your job now. I guess. I don't know. Like, it was kinda dumb. I didn't like that. That's where, again, that's where I had the issue with the whole family storyline doing it, because I wanted just Sarah Fear to be like, ha ha, no, you guys screwed me over, y'all are cursed, and have her end up being the big bad, not a good person. <sighs> I hate when movies do stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I am glad that I'm right, though, about it not being Sarah. It made me very happy. Sorry, I'm going to go off on all the things I had an issue with before I talk about some of the good things. <laughs> Another one was the parallel between Sarah Fear and her relationship with the one girl compared to Dina and Sam. Yes. It was just too similar, and it was like, of course, the, you know, the one that breaks the spell is the one that's exactly like Sarah Fear, and it's, I don't know, it's just, it's just so cheesy and lame to me. I didn't like that. And then my other biggest complaint was... The architecture of the city. <laughs> like, Nick Good had tunnels literally everywhere underneath the town that was, like, going to his house in Sunnyvale, to the tree, to the mall, to, like, a bunch of random spots. And, I'm like, they straight up came out of one part in his house that was just, like, this tiny door. And I'm like, how has no one ever found these tunnels? They stretch all over the two towns. And they have literally built things over, like... Where the church was in, in 1666, how it comes out, there's that one little tunnel that leads up into the church. That in modern day was where the mall was. And Dina ends up like removing the grate and that brings her down to the same tunnel. When you're building the mall, how did you not discover this tunnel? Like you literally have a grate over that tunnel. And also, how the heck do you not discover the hand that's buried under the tree? Like that is something that I'm just like... Dude, did you guys just build the mall around it and not want to touch anything around it? Like They they would have had to have because they were like, oh, we know Seraphir's a big part of the history, so we can't destroy the tree. But even then, I'm just like, I don't know. There are just too many small things where I'm like, that doesn't make sense. Like, And another thing was Sheriff Good leaving a note for... Um, for, for the Christine one girl Berman. In the first yeah, movie. that says it's happening again. But if he was the one that was doing all this, why would he leave her a note? Especially since they hadn't seen each other for so long. Because when they see each other at the end, he's like, Ziggy, what, what are you doing here? But it's like, well, you left her a note saying it's happening again. Do you expect her not to get involved? Like, what, what, what was the point of this? Honestly, I feel like we need to read the books. Because right. a lot of stuff probably was left out. And there are probably explanations of, like, he looked like he actually did really care for Ziggy, but he just knew that he couldn't... Tell her anything. He was the one that turned Tommy. <laughs> he was already bad at that point. Okay, at that point, was it Nick or was it the brother? It was that... Nick, because in the quick shot where they're showing all the generations of goods doing this thing, you see the younger Nick from seven, or from 1978. And then after okay, you see yeah. him, then you see Tommy's name appear on the stone. Mm -hmm. So he was the one that did it. Yeah, I was just... 
there was just a lot of things where I'm just like, that didn't make sense. So I think you're right. We probably should read the books because, I mean, the books are always better than the movies and you get more information out of it. Yeah. If he did really care for her, like, he might have left that note out of, like, a, hey, it's happening again. Stay inside. Be safe. You know, another murder spree is happening type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that could have been it. And then he just thought that she would stay out of it, I guess. I I don't know. Maybe the books would give more intel on it. Yeah. But we're not reviewing the books. We're reviewing the movies. <laughs> so that's why we can talk about these plot holes. Yeah, we are. <laughs> I did love, though, at the ending, uh, how they put Dina's blood in, like, the bucket. And they were using the super soakers. And they started spraying all the serial killers with the blood. That was cool. Yeah, and then you just see all the serial killers just trying to kill each other because they're like sharks that are going after her blood. So that was a pretty entertaining scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how they set up the mall and everything was pretty cool. And we got to see more of the serial killers. One thing that I am kind of like, a, why the hell would you do this? This is like a horror movie 101 type of thing. Why did she leave the book? I know. Why? You like, saw what You know happened. how bad it is. It's an actual, like, witch's tomb witches book or whatever has actual spells in it that obviously work why would you let it get into the hands of some random person right i would take that book and burn it actually i feel like i would try and like cut it up in different ways and then burn it and bury it in different places and if that doesn't work i would Charge, like, my daughter, son, whatever. To keep an eye on it. (laughs) Yeah, to make sure it doesn't go into bad hands. Right, because especially at the end of the movie, you know, as the credits are rolling, we're slowly seeing shots throughout the town, leading through the mall, leading through the tunnels, till we get to the crime scene where clearly now police have been there, and they're in the tunnels where it happened, and the book is there. Yeah, because it has, like, the tape and the yellow numbers and all that stuff. And then we just see two, um, two hands just grab the book and run. My guess would be um, Nick Good's brother would be the only one that kind of makes sense that would know about it. At the end, if you think, like, who investigates what's happening, like, underneath and all that stuff, whoever put, like, the tape up and stuff probably put two and two together and is like, hey, this book is the, like, witch's book and just, I I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) That is one issue that I have with it. I like and I also dislike how 1666 kind of portrayed each person. Okay. Um, Or just the population in general. Like, you obviously see, like, new characters or old characters coming back. You see new faces. Uh, Sam is Hannah and Dina is, turns into Sarah and all of that stuff, which... Could be a, hey, you're looking through my eyes, but you're seeing not who I knew, but people that you could recognize that could be in this area. That was just a fun way to bring the actors back, basically. Yeah. I have to admit, I thought something bad would happen during the party scene. Because, you know, it's all of these teenagers coming out, partying, drinking. Eating berries that make you hallucinate. Basically. And I thought something bad was going to happen there. And then everyone would use Sarah as a scapegoat. And then when she tries to, like, defend herself, then, like, nobody believes her and 
then she curses the town. Like, that could have been a good alternative. Right. Um, And that probably could have happened back in the day. Like... God, or even them killing Hannah, I think, would have been, you know, like, a better start to her descending into, like, evil witchcraft stuff. But, of course, Sarah had to save her love and say that she's the one that actually bewitched everyone. And instead of saying... (laughs) This is another thing which I get, but I also don't get in the movie, where at this point when she's being hung, she literally has her hand cut off. Like, she didn't cut it off herself. Solomon cut her hand off. Good was the one that cut her, yeah. her hand off, yeah, when she was trying to, like, escape and fight back and all that stuff. And instead of telling the townspeople, like, hey, if you go to his house, there is this devil's book and he's the one that did that like she could have easily said that but i know historically who are they really gonna believe a man or the one that's (laughs) accused of witchcraft like the female like which why can the men never be accused of being witches some sexist stuff in the 1600s man technically i think there were some men that were accused of being witches. oh really i want to say huh the one guy that I think Abigail fell in love with during the Salem witch trials. Ah. I think she tried to, like, blame him and his wife, but, yeah. Yeah, that scene of uh, Sarah getting her hand cut off, though, was brutal. <sighs> oh, man. And, like, Solomon, like, you know, he cuts it with the knife. It's, like, barely hanging on. And he's pushing the arm down, just snaps. And I was like, oh. Also, that had to be, like, a cut code type of knife or something, like... Oh, that was not a sharp knife back then. No, and yet it slices through her whole wrist. Oh, I know, that was insane. That went through the bone. That was hanging on by, like, flesh. I was like, oh, God. (laughs) Yeah, that is something that I don't think is very realistic. No. That it cut it off so easily. An axe would have made more sense, but whatever. We're nitpicking. Yeah. Alright, what was your favorite death? Favorite death. Well, there really wasn't that many deaths in this one, you know? I mean, we basically saw Sarah die and Officer Good. Oh, and the two cops that were just, like, you know, in the way. Yeah, but then we also saw the pastor in 1666. Oh, as that's well as true. The kids yeah, I, I guess it would the be the dog pastor. died and the witch, actually. Oh, which yeah. another thing. There was an actual witch. That had the book in the first place that the town knew about. They even spread rumors about how she laid with the devil. killed her husband and her kids and laid with the devil. Everyone's calling her a witch. And yet they don't kill her. Right, they just left like, her in the forest. That is also a witching 101 yeah, back like- in the 1600s or whatever. Like, if there's a witch... You're not going to let them live. Right. You would think instead of accusing Sarah and Hannah that they would actually go after the witch nearby. But at this point, that witch was already dead because Solomon killed her and stole the book. But still, you you would think that would be the first place they would go instead of blaming people in the town. Yeah. I I don't know. I will say that I like, and yet I'm also confused about the witch's hut. In the last movie, uh, the sister, Cindy, and her friends find what everyone thinks is the witch's hut, which which turns out to be Solomon Good's house. 
So I'm wondering how that kind of turned around as... Yeah, I like mean... if nobody knew... It, it would have to be like a game of telephone, you know, like over the generations, you just hear stories and stories, and slowly after a while, the, slowly, the stories uh, change into something else. But at some point, when someone figures out, like, hey, this is the witch's hut, this is where Sarah has her hand, or whatever, wouldn't you start to question, like, hey, this was actually Good's house, historically, so... Why yeah. why is there witch stuff at Good's house and not Sarah's house? And like was that just an intentional like maybe the goods turned it around? They would have to and I mean, started spreading lies? I don't know. They basically had the devil on their side to do whatever they needed. <laughs> Literally. Between the three movies, which one was your favorite? I think the first one. I'm with you on that. Last movie there was just too much death. At some point, I'm just like, okay, good death scenes, but you actually grow numb to all the death and the blood and all of that stuff. This one, I mean, I am glad that I was right. I will keep saying that. I am glad about that. <laughs> Wasn't a cult. But it, it was, was a still family. a modern... Ugh, God. Tomato, tomato, mister. That is not the same thing. <laughs> Cults have followings. That's like saying your family's a cult. You can't say that. I would say your neighborhood's a cult, but... <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> I have argued with you about this so many times that I just... I just glare at you now. <laughs> um, and in this movie... Again, I am glad that I was right, but at the same time... I was kind of hoping that I wasn't it and that it wasn't, again, I was literally calling it from the first movie. Yeah. Like, there were so many predictable things. And, and again, Stein is absolutely fantastic. Everyone loves the goosebumps. He's been like, around for books, a while. All of that stuff. It's classic stuff that kids my age grew up on. But I don't think he's an author that could write more adult fiction, like, R-rated. Every author, myself included, have a specific genre and kind of age group. Target audience. That we all, but not purposely, have a target audience. Oh, no, that's, like, that's it's a just, rule hey, one when you're selling best, books. Huh? That's a rule one when you're selling books. You write for your target audience. Well... That's that's just marketing 101. Yes, but again, this target audience, like, besides the sex and the drugs and the language, like, the plot itself... Felt very childish. Very young adult teenager-esque. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's my stand on it. And again, I love Stein's books and all of that stuff. I did read some of the goosebumps when I was a kid and watched the movies. But plot just felt very predictable, very kind of childish and... Right. But again, you have to remember that R.L. Stein wasn't the screenwriter, so it's really Hollywood that wrote this based off his book. So that can ease... There's so many chains of command in terms of filmmaking that it could get 
screwed yeah. up or messed up in one way or another. It could be messed up through the editing. It could be messed up through the director, the actors, whatever you want to pick. But didn't he okay the script? Uh, I do not know. I just know that's based off his books. Mm. He wasn't a screenwriter. No, but still, if it's a famous enough like author, like I know some producers and directors would kind of want the writer to actually go over the book or go over the script and screenplay and say like, hey, do you think this matches your vision? Classic version of that that proves that wrong would be Stephen King with The Shining. Stephen King hates The Shining movie. True, yeah. But, you know, that's just something to think about. It's yeah. the way Hollywood does their thing. Now, to wrap this up, I'm going to give this movie, Fear Street 1666, a 7 out of 10. There's a lot of enjoyable scenes. I love the ending when they snap back to 1994 part two. <laughs> I thought that was great. I loved the whole ending in the mall where the serial killers are killing each other and they have this whole like trap planned. I think that was awesome. I just wanted to see more out of Sarah Fear, and I didn't want her to be a good guy, which I know is my own personal opinion, but whatever, I'm throwing that into the, uh, the rating system. So 7 out of 10. Yeah, I think I agree with you on that. Again, a lot of the predictability, me as a writer, kind of was like, it's less entertaining when you can predict a lot of things. Like, right. there's no shock. I think, for me, I would give it Maybe a six. Okay. Because, again, there were a lot of entertaining scenes. Yeah. I loved how they brought back a lot of the characters and how still uh, the one f female friend from the first movie, I'm blanking on her name, uh, I think it was, like, Kate? Yes. How she was still kind of, like, a... Not a drug dealer, but she had all the alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, they had the whole thing. And in her basket, she lifts up the cloth, and there's a bottle of wine in there. <laughs> it was pretty good. I, I enjoyed that. Six out of ten for you. Six out of ten. All right. Well, if you guys uh, dispute our ratings or think we're just a bunch of idiots, let us know on Instagram. And um, yeah. or if you even agree with us, or, if you or agree with us. have noticed a few things that maybe we missed. Yeah. Let us know. And thank you guys for listening. And we will see you next week, hopefully with an actual planned out episode instead of a movie review because it's been a while. That's the goal. All right, everyone. We'll <laughs> see you next time. All right. See ya.